Welcome to today's show, everyone. Kristen and I are super excited as we are doing an interview for the very first time. Julie Jordan Scott will be with us, and we couldn't imagine having our very first interview being with anyone else. Julie is known as the creative life midwife, the comeback crone. She's a mom, friend, and content creator, as well as a director, actor, producer, parent, artist, and lover of life itself. Rather than sharing accolades, Julie enjoys sharing invitations to connection and trust the people who would find value in what she offers will recognize themselves in the possibility she presents. Today, we'll be talking about how falling down and getting back up are opportunities for everyday awakening that could define, alter, and change the path of your life into one that has more faith, more courage, more information, and a love for life that you never knew could exist. Thank God for falling down. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay. Welcome everybody to today's podcast. We have a special guest, Julie Jordan Scott, who is a absolutely amazing person with a whole ton of tools in her toolbox. And we're going to just jump right into the conversation today. And one of the things that I think Julie um, excels at and is an expert in is the art of getting back up after falling down. And one of the things that I love about Julie is that she takes a moment or two to acknowledge herself in, and to honor herself in her ability to rise again. And in thinking about what specifically I wanted to, talk to, wanted to talk to you about in this podcast, I found a quote by Eckhart Tolle that I think was perfect. And it's he says that some changes look negative on the surface level of reality, but really space is being created for something new to emerge. And I love that because that's what I hear you saying, and that you have self-gratitude for your dogged determination to show up repeatedly after finding your face planted in the dirt due to a whole assortment of things, uh, you know, caretaking, um, grief, near-death experience, repetitive trauma. And so we're going to get into that a little bit today. And so my, I guess my initial question for you, Julie, is welcome, first of all. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, as, as you have fallen down and gotten back up, how's the person that's gotten back up different from the one that fell? <laughs> there, there's an assortment of ways, Laura, but I think one of the things I have been thinking about recently is that when we fall down or when I have fallen down into the dirt <laughs> and sat there, uh, that there's, there's like stages, just like stages of grief. But the thing is when we fall down and we're wounded and we fall down because we're, we've just had some kind of trauma situation or we fall down because our child's been diagnosed with autism or we fall down facing the dirt because our expectations go unmet, that there is a kind of wounding that happens in that falling. 
And we are ultimately given a choice if we want to stay with our faces planted in the dirt and or do we want to take the risk to get back up? Mm. Beautiful. Really diving into lately with my own experience and as I work with others, although I hadn't recognized this, is being... I don't want to be too gross, but if it's like you're bleeding, you're dripping, you're, you're totally raw. There's that moment, which most people do not want to get to. Most people want falling down. I got up. It's perfect. Life is great. Look how pretty I am. Like, and if you've ever seen the play into the woods, there's a scene where the witch has a transformation. She goes from ugly, haggard witch to beautiful woman, just like that. Um, And I think that we as a culture have that unfortunate belief that it's a fairy tale that goes from I'm having a horrible time to everything's all better. And we want that happily ever after. Right. And so, yeah, so I think I say, think that would be a start is to recognize that happily ever after is possible and getting there immediately can be a myth that none of us get to. Um, And there are times when we do. I mean, it's one of those, those, those unusual circumstances where it it can literally, it's kind of like um, being on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. That there's there are magical times when boom, everything shifts just like that, and there are times when you you're like you're fake you can't your audience can't see you but I'm like you're on the ground and you you lift up your head yeah and you're like okay I'm safe you're looking around <laughs> kind of like a a turtle you know you're poking your head out and you think that it's safe and then something else happens and you pull back in, um so I think. I'm just going to say one more thing and then I'll, I'll give you space to talk. But <laughs> it's okay. for me, I think one of the things that I, that I have done in my own life and that I work with people is the practice that it takes to get from being the turtle poking your head out, even while you're bleeding and uncomfortable mm. and feeling unsafe to, to getting fully back up again, even though you're teetering around and uncomfortable and you're not quite balanced and continuing to take one small step forward. Even if it's really uncomfortable, and even if people are pointing and staring and say uncomfortable mean things to you, or not, yeah, not understanding what's taking right. you so long, get over it. Right. You're going to be okay. Right. Yeah, or that I can think of times where I have fallen spectacularly. I mean, for real, physically. Yes. And you know, you you roll and you jump back up. Nothing to see here. I'm not hurt. No problem. Meanwhile, you've got three broken ribs and a bloody nose, but you don't want anybody to see that or perceive the you know, perceive that you were vulnerable enough to actually be hurt. And, and actually I love your analogy. Maybe you just need to stay on the ground a little bit, Mm. like look around. Am I, am I safe? Am I okay? Just literally and metaphorically. Yeah. um, That's beautiful. And I love that you said the risk of getting back. I mean, it would almost seem riskier to stay down, but, but no, I know. I just, I just love this conversation. Thank you. Well said. I love that you are talking about letting go of the facade of needing everything to present itself as being okay. And 
because one of the things I know that we love to do is replace the facade. Okay, so that happened, that's done, but now I'm this new version. So we're replacing one facade with another facade and it's still a facade, right? So there's like no truth. And what I hear that you help people at is getting to the truth step by step by step by step. So I know that you've had like a lot of really amazing experiences in letting facades go. And I'm really curious, like what part of you has died that like won't be able to re-enter into a facade anymore? That is a brilliant question. Uh, what part of me has died? And I'm thinking what part of me won't, doesn't ever come back anymore. Cause you know, that's like the ultimate death, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, what comes, what's coming up through my head, I'm just going to put my thoughts on audio here. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes what, what part of me that has died or that has gone to sleep have have been not great things like I have I parts of me that have gone to sleep like why bother trying this um I've tried so many times how am I going to ever try again or this pain was just too much um I can't bear it uh one of (laughs) one of the stories I was thinking of was um I had melanoma at one time and I have a scar on my face. I actually love my scar now. But when shortly after I had my um, my surgery, I had the melanoma removed, I was out and about with this big, ugly thing on my face. But to me, I was being bold and I was, and I walked into my favorite coffee shop where I had finally gone back and I was holding court. And this woman I know looked at me and said, what happened to your face? I was like, oh, um, melanoma skin cancer she felt horrible I felt horrible and I still have residual like soul scarring in addition to face scarring I think the one thing that has died I think it came through me talking Laura Mm -hmm. (laughs) is what has died is the side of me that thought that I am not capable Mm. of taking things on because I have learned through face plants and getting up that I am really capable of, of taking stuff on, of doing things nobody else will do. And it's like, um, this might sound weird, but I'm actually, I learned through doing one of these really scary things that I've done that if I were to die now, it's okay. I, and when I told my kids this, they were really mad, but Mm -hmm. I'm ready. If something really scary, I mean, I've literally stood thinking I was going to be killed. I mean, I had a near-death experience, but I literally was in a parking lot thinking a car was going to run me down. And I was like, well, if I die in this parking lot, I've had a good life. It's okay. Okay. Wow. So totally powerful. And I, so basically your fear, you've lost your fear. You've gained this empowerment and this strength and this innate understanding of your total capability to face anything head on. Beautiful. And I just want to leave some space. If Kristen wants to add anything here, because I've got like this other beautiful question waiting for you. So but I don't want to get, this is, this is our first time we're doing a podcast where there's three of us. So I'm like, you know, given some space here and be quiet. Oh, I, I love it. I say, proceed with your beautiful question. 
Okay, awesome. And if I could just say one thing first, yes, Laura, yes. and that is that, you know, I, I will say that I'm really good at those big things, but sometimes the small everyday <laughs> things, the small everyday fears are more scary than the big, bold, okay, okay, life, okay, if you need me to die, I will, I'm fine, I'm good. And yet it's the little everyday ones, the ones when we're kind of like halfway up from being in the dirt <laughs> that uh-huh. are actually. Um, you know, they're kind of like the in-between. You're not coming out, hi, here I am, amazing, bold, and beautiful. You're kind of like, I am really tired. But what I love about that is, yeah, but it feels as if you're saying it, I I know the experience. It's like trigger, trigger, trigger. It's like, but I'm not fully there yet. And then oh, trigger, <laughs> oh, you know, and it throws you back into mm-hmm. the trauma mind. So, you know, this so what I'm wondering about with your near-death experience, I, would you would you be willing to talk about that for a moment? Sure. Okay. I'm wondering because I've had my own experience of my face planted on the ground like significantly a couple years ago, and I wrote a program about it. But what I noticed about the program after I wrote it, I picked up a couple books and my program was written in these books, right? So it's like not my program. It was a program that was written through me. But the point is it was, I feel like a God program, like mm-hmm. that is offered up to us in times of total face plantings or when we don't want to put or poke our head out of the shell, not for anyone, not for one second, something comes and carries us out of it and through it and works its way through it. And I was wondering, Kristen and I were having this conversation last week. Is there a death program? Because, because I'm bewildered and, and like in awe of people's ability as a nurse of 28 years, I've seen a lot of people die. Some were beautiful. Some were horrific. And I wonder to the people that have the opportunity to take a moment, knowing that they're going to be taking their last breath in a week or two weeks, or God knows when, anytime, how they summon up the courage and the beauty and the bravery to express a last sentence to somebody without sobbing their way through it. There's like this essence, there's this like up-leveling of ability in the dying process. And I don't think, I think it's this, I, I think I think of it as a supernatural experience. It is, but I'm thinking that maybe it's there's a program that comes and carries us through that. And so I'm curious if you've had the experience, I always want to hear about your near death experience, but I want it also, I'm curious, did you notice a program, <laughs> like some <laughs> level of energy that you didn't know existed before that came and got you and took you and, and what did you get? Well, what just popped into my head is um, life is death school. So that's just what downloaded is life is death school. And for my um, experience, my near death experience, which is similar and different from the others I've heard is that, um, so I was in the intensive care unit in the hospital. I had uh, valley fever, a rare illness, and I got septic. And uh, I, above my bed was a, a tunnel above me. I'm like, I think I'll go explore that. And I did, but how it was different than others is that it was actually like, I can still feel it on my hands and my feet. It was like an umbilical cord with literally, you know, how umbilical cords, well, I've only seen pictures of them and I know I've had them in my body, (laughs) but they have, they have veins and stuff. So to me, those were like the handles as I went up Wow. As I explored, I was like holding on to the walls of the of the of the tunnel. And 
I was going up and going up. And at one point I was down at my body there tied. I mean, like there's no way I could, my body physically could not escape because I was, you know, hooked up to machines. And I looked down and I said to, I said, if I go much further than this, will I be able to go back or will I get lost up there? Will I get lost in the space of death? Which one of you was asking that question? Which part of you was asking that question? My spirit was asking that question. So the part of me that was up, but what's so odd is I haven't heard of people feeling it, but like, I literally felt my hands and it could be because I'm an artist and I'm very sensory oriented, Mm. but I could literally feel my hand. Like I can feel it just talking about, I can feel it on my hands and my feet. And did you feel a difference in vibration with each step you took? Um, In the moment? No, no. And so then what happened? Well, as I went up and I looked down and I said, if I go much further, um, will I be lost or, or will I get lost? And I, I, that was about getting lost to that life down here mm. in this body and continue, continue to carry on. And the thought was, I'm going to choose to go back into my body because there's work left for me to do. So the, the life that is death school there's still lessons for me to learn and to teach to people um, who are still in bodies and or who are still carrying on and who are still falling down and trying so valiantly to get up when many people do not understand what the heck they're experiencing. And it's, it is really scary to do all of this alone. And when I first came back, my ICU nurse was the best. And one of the first things that I talked to her about was story. And I said to her, as she was, it was like 6.30 and she got off at 7 in the morning. And they were going to start doing their rounds and stuff and their changeover. And I said, hey, before all that happens, can I ask you something? She said, yes, of course, Julie. And after what we've been through. And I said, "Um, story is my medicine. Mm. May I ask you a question so that you can tell me a story? And she was really taken aback by the question. She said, well, yeah, sure. So I asked her a question that's actually not mine. It's from Anne Lamott um, in Bird by Bird, um, her, her book, Bird by Bird. And I asked her what she ate for lunch when she was in the second grade. <laughs> wow. And the nurse told me an incredible story about her life as a little girl in Jamaica. And then she, when she was done, she said, thank you so much for asking me that question because I never get to talk about this stuff. Wow. Everybody tells me to shut up when I tell stories like this. They don't want to hear them. And I was like, it's medicine. Thank you. Thank you for that medicine this morning. It's more so, important than any of this stuff dripping into me right now. So did you like come through that experience having a better understanding of the importance of story? Uh, I've always loved stories. And I think that what happened was I was recognizing, again, both the significance of story and storytelling and us sharing stories, the everyday stories, mm-hmm. the everyday, what, and the, what do you eat for lunch? The reason that Anne Lamont asked that question or she asked her students to write about it is because it is specific. It is sen- sensory. It is going back into memory. It is honoring things we don't normally honor. I mean, there's so many bits and pieces to it. And when your face is planted in the dirt and you're feeling like, oh my gosh, that was whatever we label it, 
And yet we're still that person who who did or didn't eat lunch in second grade and who made meaning even when we were eight years old and who may be stuck in that stuff is still swirling around until we find one another, until we have that safe, sacred place where we can be fully who we are and when we can share our stories safely, vulnerably, including that story and that process of getting up. Because oftentimes we don't want the rough draft, man. We don't want the bleeding. We don't want the ugly thing on our face invading everybody else's nice coffee shop experience. And by the way, Julie's Julie's scar is in the shape of a heart, Kristen. Oh, it's a <laughs> yeah, perfect heart. Yeah, see, there's my horse. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got was getting really excited because it's all of it. It's so true. It is so true that, you know, I've I was born a storyteller, come from a long line of storytellers. And it just, it's one of those things that's so inherent in me that, and it is my medicine. When I said that to my nurse, I wasn't kidding. Like I really felt better by connecting to her story. It's like, okay, so I'm coming back into my body. I could have been up there with my daughter. I could have been up there with my many friends who've died. I could have been up there and no longer have all these icky responsibilities that I have here. And I elected to come back here. So stories that we tell each other, and I'm not talking, some people say, let go of the story, you know, mm-hmm. the negative stories. I, I don't even buy into that. I'm like, give me the stories. Now you're give talking the about the ones. thread that connects us in yes, all, yes. all of humanity. And that mm-hmm. that's what makes you feel most alive. And right. it's where you get your juice from. Mm-hmm. Can so, I ask a question about story while we're talking about story? Julie, can you... So when you're saying to somebody, I don't need the story, do you, do you notice that there's a distinction between uh, the inherent connected story versus somebody's habitual stuck in kind of like the, like a drama loop in their head? Like, how can we, how can we ascertain the difference if we're asking somebody to tell us a story? I'm fascinated by that. You know, I'm a nutritionist. I'll always ask, what did you eat for lunch? It's one of my favorite questions. <laughs> but if, you know, we're getting into the story, you know, those of us as listeners, how can we how can we encourage that genuine story versus something that, that we may be perceiving as, ah, I think that's some drama. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference? Yeah. And I will take two, I'll, there's two layers to this. Um, and one of them has to do with theater. <laughs> the first thing is, what is the meaning that you're making from the what happened? Mm. So the nurse told me a story of being in Jamaica and how she actually didn't get to, she didn't have lunch because she was too poor for lunch. But she didn't say that I was too poor for lunch. Feel sorry for me. I'm, I was neglected, harmful childhood. I was extremely, un- you know, no. What are the facts? What are the things you can touch, hold on to, measure just the facts of the story? Not the meaning you make of it. That's not the, the, when you're planted on the dirt, you're like, oh, I'm planted in the dirt again. You know, oh, I'm in the, I'm in this umbilical cord (laughs) to wherever, the next life, the next chapter. And then the other part that comes from my theater training is that my first acting teacher said to me um, once, and and I've asked this of both actors and writers and creatives, is that too often we try to layer too much stuff on 
And what we really need to do is strip stuff away. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to let ourselves be naked, raw, vulnerable without the armor, without these extra clothes, metaphorically, whatever. Um, and just, and, and so he would have an exercise where he would, and this was, I remember the first time he did this, we did this together. I did a, a monologue and I was horrible, but I didn't know enough to know I was horrible. And he had me lie in the middle of the room, lie on the floor and speak the lines aloud with nothing attached, just speak the lines one sentence at a time. And I was horrified and bewildered and hurt and embarrassed. And yet that moment of taking everything away changed my life as a creative and definitely changed as an actor and as a director. And I still do some unconventional (laughs) conventional exercises with people who come and create with me and collaborate with me so that they will shred all that. So they won't, they will no longer be relying on the props and what the shoulds and the, and the beliefs and the meanings and all of that stuff that makes us wrong or makes us right. Um, create well, sides, et cetera. Okay. So a question for you then based off of all of the things that you just said, all the different modalities and the way in which you try to reach people and grab them by their soul, so to speak, so that they slow down and and be with the whole entirety of any beautiful experience, no matter if you experience humiliation, fear, death, loss. If you could come up with a word that enveloped what it is, who you are, that you offer up to the world, what's the word? Well, it's a compound word and it might seem kind of strange, but it is um, jumper cables. Oh, <laughs> jumper Love cables. It. Love it. And it's kind of like the, the, I would say it's a whole apparatus because the jumper cables connect to the power. And then the car battery is kind of like the whole process of jumping, not in thing instead of a thing, because after you jump the battery, the car needs to drive around for a while. You know, you can't just turn it <laughs> off because then it'll die again. Right. So you need to drive around. So you jump the car and then you hop in and you're driving for, you know, 40, 45 minutes or an hour. And you can do a heck of a lot of work in that time. So that's, I, that's what I came up with because I thought of other words. But I'm like, no, I think I'm almost like a jumper cable because I give the direction. I ask the questions. I might tell a little bit of a story or engage in a little bit of story. And then whether it's, um, you know, a theater production or a, you know, a coaching session or a workshop or whatever it is we're doing, then we'll go and we'll do it, you know, because I love to work in like a lab setting. Mm-hmm. We'll work on that together. And then you get to drive off. People get to drive off on their own and practice. And yeah, so I think that's probably the closest that I could come up with. I love it. That's beautiful. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> Not the most spiritual word, but um, <laughs> I definitely feel like that's it. Yeah. I think it's pretty spiritual. Come on, you can plug into yourself. You can, you can charge others. You can, yeah. you can do a lot of th- great things with uh, jumper cables, <laughs> spiritual other, or otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Give each other a suit. I feel juice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel too. some juice. <laughs> um, speaking of any, uh, speaking of juice, do you have any upcoming programs that you'd like to um, give the audience a heads up on? 
Sure. Thank you so much for asking. I have a couple of new things coming up that I'm really, really super excited about. Well, depending upon when you listen, because one of them is called Your Writing Home. It's a sacred community of women writers and content creators. And that's a program that's that will go continually in three-month segments. So if you're listening to this next in July of 2022, there will be a, another cohort that will happen in September. So every time the season changes, a new cohort, cohort will gather in creating community for writers and content creators. So you can, you know, get to those jumper cables okay. every week. You can have a learning lab every week. And then my, my sooner thing, that's a shorter term thing is called soulful writing short and sweet. And it's about social media posts and blog posts that have an impact. And we'll be using all kinds of different methods to, to fire that up, whether it's poetry or advertising or uh, a very short story, Okay. And I'm really, really excited about both of these. And can they, people in your audience find these on creativelifemidwife.com? Yes, yes. Okay. They can find creativelifemidwife.com slash your writing home and creativelifemidwife.com slash, um, I think, is it short and sweet? I think I forwarded it to you. Yeah, I'm going to put it, okay. we're going to put it in the show notes. Okay, true. So yeah, it's going to be in the show notes. So if you want Julie's, uh, you know, information written in word. It'll be in the show notes. So <laughs> thank you so much for being a part of this podcast and for showing, giving beautiful examples of how the meaning of our podcast, Buddha Bagels and Being, Everyday Awakening, how everyday moments can lead you to the greatness that lives within. Thank you for being a, a model on how you can apply that in everyday moments, making a juicy electrical difference in other people's <laughs> lives. Yes. So it's been a pleasure. It's been a Thank pleasure. You. Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you both of you for, for having me here today. I appreciate it. It was awesome. Thank you. Mwah. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Everyday Awakening. How can today awaken you to the greatness that lives within? To ask a question, suggest a topic, or contact us, please email us at everydayawakeningpodcast at gmail.com. If you really like our show, please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. And tell a few friends. 